where nobody knows your name is not filmed in front of a live studio audience. Hello and uh, welcome to Where Nobody Knows Your Name. I'm John. And I'm James. And today we are talking about episode 12, The Spy Who Came In For A Cold One. Great title. 16th of December as well. Christmas special. Christmas special. We're feeling festive, aren't we, John? Feeling festive, but it's also a very spy espionage. Sexy spy. Very suave episode, directed by... Jimmy B. Jimmy B, James Burroughs, written by David Lloyd. Now, David Lloyd, I think this might be his first time writing for the show, but he is a alumni of Taxi. Is he? None other than Taxi. He was a executive script consultant for many episodes and also an executive story editor on what? Taxi. He sounds like a Welsh man. Because of the name Lloyd or because he's written for Taxi. Taxi was known for its Welsh, Welsh influence. comedy, yeah. Taxi's biggest sound. Gavin and Stacey, Taxi. But either way, <laughs> as we mentioned earlier, a suave episode. How does this episode begin, James? Our cold openings. It's a chilly open for this yeah. December-based episode. Yeah. Tis the season in Cheers. And Norm is planning to travel to Maine to meet Vera, who is already there. He's got directions how to get to this nice romantic resort. But this sailor comes in to the bar looking for... A good time. Norm gives the direction to the sailor, and Sam does. Hey, no. Norm gets the note back and says, "Yeah, you're right. I can't do that to the navy." It's a really nice line. It's but it's again, it's Norm not always being the best to his wife. There was a slight bit in that which I thought was quite nice for the show as well. The reason why Norm had to go later than Vera was because he was going for an interview, and it established, you know, he was fired from his job. I think about four or five episodes back, but we never heard anything more oh, about yeah. it. So Norm is there uh, looking for jobs at the moment, and it was a really quick touch to just say, "Yeah, that happened to him." Moving faster, it stood out as a quite nice way that, although it's a sitcom, people are progressing and things which happen do affect the future of the programme. Exactly. Should I talk about the main plot? Yeah, I think so. It's a bit of a convoluted one. Starts off with a guy coming in, an Englishman, very English. A mysterious Englishman. Carlos serves him a drink and he says that he's a spy and then pretends that it was an accident. He walks in very, very conspicuously. He (laughs) came in and he starts looking under the table, to which Coach and Cliff then like bow their heads. (laughs) to look as well if you're looking for gun I can get you a fresh stick yeah and he goes I'm looking for bugs she says check the blonde one's hair and as you say he then reveals he's a spy very small we have an interesting saying in my business giving your heart to a Neapolitan girl is like forgetting to burn your code book oops blast Now I've bloody well done it. And Carla becomes a bit fascinated by him, asking him questions, and he spins his... Uh, his web of lies. His web of lies. He's a liar. <laughs> How dare he come to cheers, telling people he's a spy. It's a weird one, because everyone... Well, Carla certainly believes him, or wants to believe him. I think the rest of the bar believe him as well. And the rest of the bar just go, ooh, a spy. Actually, Cliff approaches him very obviously. So, uh, I understand uh, you're in a spy game, eh? <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's invested, apart from Diane, who obviously doesn't believe him. Yeah, she's the more sceptical, is our Diane. Mm. Should I tell you about who played him? Yeah, let's go for the guest actor himself. Ellis Rabb. I think that's more of a spy name than Eric Finch. It sounds like it could be James Bond character, doesn't it? Mm. Ellis Rabb. And that's kind of what they were portraying with this. A very Bond-esque individual. But what else has he been in? Anything of He's done a lot of theatre, actually. Mm. He won the 1976 Tony Award for Best Director of the Royal Family. Not the British sitcom. The British sitcom with the Oasis theme tune. Yeah, with Ellis Rabb. Ellis Rabb, the suave, directing single cam set in a front room. Manchester-based. Yeah, no. wouldn't work. I love Royal Family. Did you recognise his voice or the pattern of his voice? Did it remind you of anyone else? James is trying to flatter himself. No, here. John was giving me a We're weird... We're talking about a suave individual. Does it remind you of anyone? No, I'll tell you for why I said this. His 
theatrical intonations are what inspired Kelsey Grammer to do the voice of Sideshow Bob, because Kelsey Grammer used to paint Ellis Rabb's house. Just paint it. Odd jobs. He was an odd job man, was Kelsey Grammer. There's so a, Sideshow Bob is... The voice of Sideshow Bob is based on Ellis Rabb. That's um, interesting one. Yeah, there's a Graham Norton episode where Kelsey is talking to Sideshow Bob. He says... Years ago, when I worked for a man named Ellis Rabb, who um, had started a theatre company in New York City, had great success, and um, when I was working for him, I was painting his bathroom and you know hanging wallpaper and stuff like that i wasn't really a successful actor at the time but uh <laughs> ellis would regale me with stories when he'd come home from work always and he would say things like oh kelsey <laughs> that baby should have been mine <laughs> uh, this guy i'm gonna use him someday <laughs> and uh when I read the script for Sajabab, I said, this is Ellis Rabb. Yeah, that's interesting. You can definitely sense that he's got a very theatrical presence to him as well, as he does very eloquently, portrays and spins these stories. Yeah, yeah he's a thespian, isn't he? Yeah. But as we were made very aware, he is a liar. And uh, Diane sees through him, kind of forces his hand to the point where he has to admit his lies, which Sam was aware he was lying, but he doesn't care. He's a bartender and he's aware that people come to spin versions of themselves. Yeah. Why do you suppose people come to bars in the first place? Huh? Oh, let me take a wild stab at that one perchance to drink wrong wrong they could do that at home they come here to shoot off their mouths and uh, to get away with it listen in this bar everybody gets to be the hero now what's the harm and i think he recognizes that a big part of the reason why some people go to bars is for escapism and i think that's a key theme of this episode people wanting to believe also people enjoying the fact that they're able to portray themselves differently and when the rest of the bar find out or hear he's a spy they're already excited by it whether carla does believe him or wants to believe him it's, it's a different thing but ultimately she's really invested in finding out more regardless of its truth or not a very intelligent man because mm. once it's been revealed that he's not a spy he then pretends to be a poet and i think why he does that is because earlier in the episode Diane mentions her fondness for poetry and he picked up on that for me I was like you know what if he was a spy he'd probably be pretty good one damn good spy yeah it is interesting though that you've talked about putting on this facade being who you can be because I felt a lot of the episode talked about the concepts of self-image and self-actualization being the mm. best version of yourself. Yeah and, and and as it goes on you know he, he realises that his story as a spy has fallen through because Diane sort of trashed it and he comes back and as you say he finds Diane's interest and tailors his new story to that and she becomes heavily invested in it again yeah. and it's about a person's want to believe the truth, want to believe a truth and she gets heavily invested in it to the point where she calling up famous writers to try and get them to listen to his poetry which he has ripped off. He claimed to have written a poem which in actuality was A Birthday by Christina Rossetti. And I think one of the really interesting things when you actually look at it even further is Diane's portrayed herself as a know-it-all, a poet, a philosopher and the person who recognised the poem was Coach and it just made her belief in herself become kind of that same doubt. She didn't believe that Eric was a spy but she portrays herself as something she's Potentially not. Exactly. Throughout the episode, there were various subtleties. You've already pointed out Norm was at an interview, but there was other information about other characters which they dropped. We learned that Carla's grandfather was from Naples. We learned that Coach was presumably raised in a Catholic school because the nuns taught him the Christina Rossetti poem while hitting him with rosary beads. And we also get more college majors added to Diane's yeah. list. The list goes on, I think. She'll have many, many majors as the series go on. She's a modern major general. He's the very model of a modern major general. Ooh! You just applaud yourself. I didn't know I remembered it. <laughs> I didn't remember it. When you said it at first, I thought you were looking at me to finish it. I was like, I'm not going to be able to do this. <laughs> 
don't look at me like that. So yeah, we mentioned earlier that Diane interrupts a conversation with John Updike. And John Updike was an American novelist, poet, and short story writer, art critic, and literary critic. Okay. That's a hot factor of the press. But it shows how much she did believe the story. That the fact that she was saying, you know, stop talking to the, this person, I've got your fresh new poet. Yeah, that's quite arrogant of her, isn't it, really? Yeah. It's a lot about that faith and that trust, and ultimately the deception that comes from abusing that. One other thing which I think also kind of goes into that element of trust and spinning stories and that kind of thing is Cliff's facts. And in this episode, <laughs> he says, like, if a, if a pig had thumbs, uh, he could be trained to do manual labour. Yeah, it'd be a part of the workforce. Yeah, and it's it's that kind of thing where <laughs> the biggest spinner of stories is Cliff. And he's always spinning these stories. And quite a few times there's a basis of actual understanding and knowledge, but no one really takes it 100% seriously. It's that kind of thing where he's kind of the original, the OG storyteller. But he's only a postman. He does not want to be any other. Is he a postman? Maybe he's been lying this whole Maybe time. Maybe he's a spy. Very Fan cun- theory. Very cunning spy. Fan theory there. No one's been investigated. For tax fraud or something. It's an accountant. Got money in the Cayman Islands. Cliff's onto him. It's a fake mustache as well. That's why he was like, God, oh, there's a spy in the building. He was straight there. The spy game. Yeah. <laughs> He's been playing it for many years. We did learn something interesting about Coach, which I'm surprised we didn't learn earlier, which was why he is no longer a baseball coach. That's because he was fired. He didn't give any advice to players when they made a mental error. Diane, creating this uh, boy who cried wolf scenario, made a mental error in judging. Yeah. Eric Finch coach said do you know what I, what advice I gave to my players whenever they made a mental error and Diane says no he goes neither do I that's why I got <laughs> But despite Coach not having advice to give to Diane, what is apparent in the episode when it comes to the end is that Eric Finch, in actuality, is Thomas Edier III, millionaire who frequents bars and pretends he is someone else for entertainment and amusement, and he offers to buy cheers for a million dollars, and Sam and everyone jokingly push it up to two million because they think he's kidding around, and then it turns out... He's got a chauffeur. He's got a chauffeur, but by that point they've already ripped up the check and they're scrapped. Carl is saying, I found the date out of all the ripped up shreds of paper. What this kind of showed to me is that wealth doesn't necessarily bring happiness. This ties into self-actualization. If you know of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, what it found out was that people who are living lives different and disassociated from their nature and their capabilities were less likely to be happy or content with the life they had. Eric, or Thomas here, clearly was an intelligent man, clearly was a cultured man. I felt that he'd wanted to be a poet or he wanted to be a spy or a government agent but I think throughout his life he's amassed wealth but not necessarily doing something he found passion in and I think uh, as you're bringing up philosophy it's quite interesting to look at Norm's quote about pigs in the workforce and there's a really nice quote from John Stuart Mill I'd rather be a human dissatisfied than a pig satisfied but this episode kind of turns it on its head a bit because it seems like whatever his name is Eric Finch or Thomas he's clearly a dissatisfied human and on the other side not to call Cliff a pig but he's very comfortable in himself going to a bar as he is he's not really a spy he's going <laughs> <laughs> and he's very self-aware of who he is, but he's able to spin these stories. And I'm not saying he's a pig satisfied, but there's a cultural divide where it's showing the regular patrons of the bar are very comfortable in their own skin. And when they come to Cheers, they come to relax. 
not necessarily pick out, but Norm just go to snack bars, they are having pints, and it's kind of that satisfied pick. And I mean, mm. Diane's called people in the bar pigs before, so it's quite an interesting stance when you do deconstruct it in that philosophical light and in Maslow's hierarchy as well. But nobody who knows your name is uh, hitting some hard subjects in the philosophy. You're expecting us to talk about beer and bar snacks, but we're hitting all the heavy subjects. We can be classy. Well, this is the Christmas special. Christmas, you got to be classy. classy we wouldn't be Christmas. Christmas without a bit of class. Also, it is June. We have to put an effort in. It's Christmas special. That's not us. Yeah. <laughs> It's mail time! We've got some lovely letters today. What's your letter say, James? My first letter says, What did a Cliff jokingly say was one of Diane's college majors? Was it a misconception on Indian studies? No, he said we forgot Indian studies again. Uh, this one I'm pretty sure he said as a joke. Manchurian folk dancing. Yeah, it could be a real one. Who knows with Diane? She did a lot. I think you will get the next question I've got because we've already touched on it. What is the poem that Eric Finch claims he had wrote? A birthday, Christina Rossetti. You knew that one off the top of your head. Can you name... One of the features of the romantic resort in Maine. There's a list. I just need one Ooh, of them. Um, tall trees. Close enough. Big trees, Big. frozen lake, one radio station. Wouldn't want to send the Navy there, though. Is Vera not one of the features? Yes, but that's not listed in the resort manual. Oh, yeah. Come here, we've got Vera. It's like a hostage situation. What drink does Eric order? A very similar question. What is Eric Finch's drink of choice? We can say in unison. Gin, Gin and, and bitters. bitters. Lovely bit of stereo there. That was nice. Gin and bitters, yeah. I found out that was not really anything special. Final question. What's Diane reading in this episode? Is it The Farther Reaches of Human Nature by Abraham H. Maslow? No. It's a good but, guess. Do you know what? It was a good guess. Yes, it was a bit of Plato. What I thought was quite interesting about that was one of his theories is knowledge is justified by uh, true belief. So I thought there was Easter egg sort of hidden in there where it's about thinking that knowledge is and truth is is really justified by whether people believe it or not. Really what this whole episode is about. The small details really hit home. Always worth looking at what Anne's reading. So, we've had a nice little Christmas episode, haven't we? A lovely Christmas in there, Jean. We've realised that just because uh, people are in cheers, they're not always honest. you got to look out for those spies. got to look out for those spies. Yeah. Solid yeah. advice. It feels like a bit like a... Do you ever see Mystery Hunters? Things aren't always what they seem. <laughs> this is James and John, I guess, signing off. Bars closed. But enjoy your Christmas. Things aren't always what they seem. Don't always believe what people tell you. Happy holidays. Happy holidays, everybody. Ho, 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 ho! Merry Christmas!